السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم حذيفه رضي الله تعالى ان ابو هريره رضي الله تعالى نريد ذس حديث فروم نبي كريم صلى الله عليه وسلم الحديث الشريف appears in muslim sharif so this hadith sharif nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam is describing the scene on the day of qiyama so there are various aspects different different lessons to be taken from here but in this hadith nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam explains that on the day of qiyama jannat will be brought close and the scene will be such that the proceedings of the day of qiyama would not have commenced as yet so the believers will go to nabi adam alayhi salam to request him to intercede to ask allah taala to commence the proceedings Nabi Adam alayhi salatu was salam will decline. Now, there are many different hadiths on this topic explaining different different aspects. But for this morning we want to concentrate on one aspect which is our a'mal. And we will come to that inshallah. So I'm just going to make mudakara of the hadith quickly and then we will come to this aspect of a'mal. So Nabi Adam alayhi salam, he will decline, he will say no, go to Ibrahim alayhi salam, my son, he is the friend of Allah, go to him. So people will go to Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam, he too will decline, he will say that I was the friend of Allah Ta'ala long time, now it's a different situation here. So go to Musa alayhi salam, he is Kalimullah. He is the one whom Allah Ta'ala spoke to directly. So go to him. People will go to Musa alayhi salam. And Musa alayhi salam will also decline. And he will say that go to Isa alayhi salam. And Isa alayhi salatu salam will also decline. Eventually they will go to Huzur-e-Pak sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And our beloved Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will intercede on behalf of entire mankind. And thereafter the proceedings of Qiyamah will commence. In this particular riwayat, Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then explains the situation when we are crossing the Sirat. We are crossing the bridge that is over Jahannam. So Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam explains that Amanat and Sula Rahmi family ties Amanat that means trust and Sula Rahmi family ties these two things will be made to stand on the right hand side and the left hand side of that bridge indicating how important these two aspects are 
amanat and sulah rahmi. If a person, because obviously only believers are going to cross the sirat. So the person is already a namazi. If hajj was faraz on him, he performed his hajj. He was keeping his roza. He was discharging his zakat, etc. So all the essentials were taken care of. However, when it comes to this point of crossing the bridge, then if he failed when it came to amanat, this alone is a topic. What is amanat? How many different different aspects of amanat they are? For example, somebody tells us something in confidence. That too is amanat. Now we take it and put it on social media. Or we take it and mention it to somebody else. So there are so many aspects of amanat. Then on the other side will be sula rahmi, family ties. So if a person failed in these two aspects, then it will be very difficult for him to cross the sirat. And the fact that Allah Ta'ala will place amanat and surah rahmi on either side shows the importance of these two aspects in our lives. So khair Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then explained that a person will cross the sirat with the speed of lightning. He will go across with the speed of lightning. So one of the narrators asked Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam what is the speed of lightning? What is the speed of lightning? And I always ponder over this that Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave such a beautiful simple answer a little child will be able to understand it an adult can understand it a village dweller can understand it, an uneducated person can understand it, so can an educated person. Rather than going into all the heavy details of what is the speed of light and all of that, and many a time we are caught up in this kind of education, what we call education, which is teaching us so many things for no reason. Whereas this such simple, simple explanations to things. So Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam very beautifully he mentioned he said don't you see when the lightning comes that in the winking of an eye it's gone. So fast it comes by the time you blink your eye that lightning is gone. So people will cross the sirat at that speed. Just in the blinking of an eye, Allah Ta'ala will take them across. Allah Ta'ala make us from amongst them. Then Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that there will be those who will cross the sirat like the speed of wind. How wind blows like that, they will cross the sirat. Here also, when wind blows, Nothing can stop it. Wind blows, nothing can stop it. So this person very, very swiftly 
with a lot of speed also, with no obstructions, nothing, he will cross the Sirat. And then Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned that there will be those who will cross the Sirat with the speed of the, a bird flying. How a bird flies, how fast a bird is, that is how they will cross the Sirat. And then Huzuri Pak sallallahu alayhi wa sallam explained that the speed of a person, what will determine his speed? Some people are going across the speed of lightning, some are going the speed of wind, some are going like how a bird flies. So what will determine the speed? In the dunya, especially our younger people, and sometimes even us older people, you look at a motor car, <coughs> you're looking at the badge. You know. Is this an R or a S or a something? You know. So there may be five parked next to one another, all the same. But one got 1.8 engine, one got 2 litre engine, one got 3 litre engine, one got twin turbo, one got triple turbo, hmm? one is a S, one is a R. Hmm? So that engine will determine how fast that car will move. All may be looking the same. But what's under the bonnet, that is what will determine how fast this vehicle can move. That is here in the dunya. Now to cross that sirat, what is going to determine that at what speed will a person be able to cross? Huzur-e-Pak explained that it is a person's a'mal. It is a person's a'mal, his actions. Because only a believer will have an opportunity to cross. The kuffar they won't have an opportunity to cross. For them, they would already be, when Hisab Kitab is taking place, they would already be put on the left side, and they are already going to Jahannam. Allahumma hafazna min, Allah ta'ala protect us. Our Hazrat Mawlana Abdul Haq Magda Sahib, Dawan Barakatuh, he always mentions this, that in order to protect our Iman, never become complacent. Always live with the fear that, you know, I can lose it. Never feel that, you know, I, I'm a believer now, I got Iman and everything is sorted out for me. Always live with that fear that, you know, it mustn't happen that I lose this Iman. Because Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself mentioned that a time will come when a person in the morning he will be a believer, by the evening he will be a disbeliever. And a person in the evening he will be a believer, by the morning he will be a disbeliever. Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa was not talking about the birds, he wasn't talking about the fish in the sea. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa was talking about humankind, me and you. So this can happen every day we must make shukar to Allah ta'ala for this iman. Every day we must beg Allah ta'ala to protect our iman, to take us away with iman. And we must do everything in our capacity to ensure the protection of this Iman. 
So a believer only will be allowed the opportunity to cross the Sirat. And now Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying that the speed will be determined by the A'mal, through our actions. Then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam explained that your Nabi, your Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he will also be standing there. And he will be making dua when every ummati is crossing. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will be making dua. Ya Rabbi sallim sallim. As this ummati is going, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will be making dua. That, oh Allah, let him cross safely. Let him cross safely. Today, that same Nabi of ours, for the love of everything else, whether it is for the love of our own life, whether it is for the love of our wealth, whether it is for the love of our families, our children, or our nafs, whatever it may be, so many of his sunnats are being discarded. Whereas, who will stand there for us making dua, Ya Rabbi Sallim Sallim. Even our own parents won't be there. Friends won't be there. Nobody will be there. Governments won't be there. Health departments won't be there. Nobody will be there. Only Huzur-e-Pak sallallahu alayhi wa will be there. Ya Rabbi sallim sallim. So how important it, it is for us, number one, to love Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa And the proof that we love Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is in how much of the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is in our love, in, in our lives. So Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq that our life becomes sunnah. Our life becomes sunnah. Our ulama kiram always mention this, that sahaba radiallahu anhum, whatever they did, they did because it's sunnah. Whatever they did, however they lived, they did it because it's sunnah. That no, my Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did it like this, I must do it like that. It is mentioned with regards to Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhumah, the son of Umar radiallahu ta'ala that he would be traveling and all of a sudden he will lower his head. There's no obstruction, nothing, he would lower his head. He would be traveling, all of a sudden he's going straight, he'll make his animal do a circle, turn around. He would be traveling, he doesn't have the urge to answer the call of nature. But he'll stop his animal, he'll get off, he'll go off the road, sit, come back, get on the animal and carry on. People used to question him, what are you doing? He said, no, in the time of Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there used to be a tree here. And there was a low-lying branch Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had to lower his Mubarak head to continue. So I'm thinking of that and I'm lowering my head. At this point, once I was traveling with Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his animal turned. So I'm making my animal turn. At that point, Huzur-e-Pak sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went to answer the call of nature. So although I didn't have any urge, but just in remembrance of that, out of love for Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I too stopped there and I went. Now, these are aspects 
that a person doesn't have to make amal upon. Find out from any mufti, any mufti will tell you it's not necessary to make amal upon that. But what drove him to make amal? What drove him to make amal? If he was making amal on those aspects, then can we imagine, would he leave out anything else? Those sunnas that it is necessary we have to make amal upon it, would he leave out anything? He would never leave it out. And today our attitude has become, you know, there's just sunnah, must leave it out. There's just a sunnah, it's just a sunnah. There's no problem, there's just sunnah. If we leave it out, there's no problem. This should never be our attitude. We must hold on, hold on very, very firmly to each and every sunnah of Huzur Pak sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has mentioned that a time will come, there will be so much of fitna, the hold on, hold on like how you hold on to something with your canine teeth. How a predator when he grabs onto something with its canines, that thing can't get away. It does everything in its control to hold it. Like that we must hold on to our deen. If we're not going to do this, we're not going to make ta'aleem, and we're not going to keep deen in its pure form, Allah khair kare. We won't know what will happen. Right? You see, some years ago, maybe about 25 around there, about 25 years ago. There was a town in our country, in our country, and 25 years ago is not long ago. 25 years ago, if you have to go back, Alhamdulillah, even at that time, deen was flourishing in our country. All efforts of deen, everything was happening. Madaris were already there, Darlurums were already there, Tabligh was taking place, everything was happening. But there was a town... In those days it was called Northern Transvaal. Now I don't know which province it falls under. <coughs> but in those days it was Northern Transvaal. So we had gone there for Tarawi. Because they had no Hufas, nothing. The situation there was, these people had no masjid. There were a few small towns all around. They used to only gather for Jummah Salah in one garage. Somebody's garage, double garage, they used to gather there for Juma Salah. If you looked at wealth, they had wealth unlimited. It wasn't like they didn't have money to put up a masjid. Right? But they were reading Salah, Juma Salah in a double garage. When it came to Ramadan Sharif, Wallahi, not one namaz was being read with Jamaat. Not one Salah. The only salah that they would come together for was taraweeh. Their level of dini education was gone so minimal, so minimal, that on the first night of Ramadan Sharif, Isha time, many of the males, adult males, were standing outside, talking, smoking, when Tarawi started, they came inside. So I was a bit shocked. What's happening now? Isha, normally you'll find in our places, a person will come for Isha Namaz. Then after that, if you, even the small children that want to duck Tarawi, but they'll read Isha Namaz. After that, then they 
Masti will start. Allah forgive us. Right? But here the situation was that they were not coming to read Isha Namaz. And after that they were coming to read Tarawi. So after one, two nights, I sat with few of them. I said, you know, in Ramadan you have to fast and you have to read Tarawi. So that importance of Faraz Namaz was not there. Because there was no Talim taking place. They had no masjid. There was no Alim there. There was no work of Tabriq taking place. Nothing was taking place. So in our country, just now I'm talking, not 100 years ago, 25 maximum could have been 27 or 28 years back. And this was the situation. The very same town, the very same town, today if you go there, Alhamdulillah there is a masjid, which is Abad five times a day. There are ulama there, there are huffaz there. Hmm? Everything is taking place, Alhamdulillah. Now talim is taking place, tabligh is taking place, hmm? work is taking place. So now you see an example of deen. I want, now this is when there is no talim, right? Let's take another example. In Turkey, some years ago, a person came for salah, a person came for namaz, and he came with his bottle of sharab. He put his shoes in the shoe rack and his bottle of sharab also in the, in the shoe rack. Now to us, if we have to see that, your hair will stand on him. What's happening here? But there it was a normal thing. It was a normal thing. Because sharab became so common. Right? Became so common, it, it became the new norm for them. Sharab became the new norm. Something that was haram, in a place that was the khilafat. The khilafat, the seat of the khilafat was there for so many years. Right? In that very same place, sharab became the new norm. The person thought nothing of it to take his bottle. He's on the way home from work. He stopped at the bottle store. He bought his bottle and he's going to read namaz. And boy, if I tell you, the person who's doing that, he is considered to be one of the pious people in the community. Because he is a namazi. He's at least going for namaz. So this is what happens when we allow things to be chipped away. We allow things to be chipped away, chipped away. We don't realize what's happening. We don't realize what's going on. But slowly, slowly our aman is getting cut. We leave this one aspect. When you're leaving one aspect, it doesn't look too bad. It don't look too bad when you leave out one aspect. But next year you're leaving out another aspect. The following year you're leaving out another aspect. In 10 years time, what has become the face of that amal? It looks like, it looks nothing like what it's supposed to have been. Right? When one Jamaat from South Africa went to Vietnam in Ramadan Sharif, they were in Vietnam and Eid Day also they were in Vietnam some years ago. 
and it was Eid al-Adha. So they joined the people for Eid Salah. After Eid Salah, people came with platters of fruit. And they started cutting the fruit. So these people thought maybe they are making some, you know, this is a custom now that after Eid Namaz they share some fruit or whatever, hmm, feeding the people or something. So they say, no, but every person is taking a fruit and, and, and they're cutting a fruit. and they, hmm? So they found out from them, okay, what's going on? They say, no, we're doing kurbani now. So we're doing kurbani. Their concept of kurbani became cutting a fruit. What is kurbani and what are they doing? Did it happen overnight? No. Doesn't happen overnight. It takes years, it may take decades. Right? Take our situation. Last year, at Eid al-Adha time, Allah Ta'ala protect us that we don't ever experience it ever again in our lives. But last year, Eid al-Adha was a hard lockdown. Right? How many people who normally would ensure they do their qurbani physically, opted not to do it physically. Farmers were sitting with a lot of carcasses. They were looking for places now where we can give these carcasses. Because people were just phoning in, by, I need five, I need ten. Said, Don't worry, you choose it, you do it, you distribute it. Choose it, slaughter it, distribute it, we'll put the money in your account. Right? That's just one year, one problem. Now if you have a problem every year, for 20 years, for 30 years, that child who was born in the first year, and for 30 years you never did kurmani, because of this fear, or that fear, or that fear, or that law came, and that law came, and that law came. For 30 years you never did kurmani. That child is now 27, 28, 29 years old. That child never saw Qurmani. One whole generation never saw Qurmani. Ask that child, what is Eid al-Adha? Say, no, must get together, have biryani. That's how things change. It doesn't happen overnight. Remember something. Shaitan has got one tool. And that is a long life. When shaitan asked Allah Ta'ala for respite, I want to stay till Qiyamah, he knew what he was asking for. Because our our lifetimes are short. Our lifespan is short. The fitna that he starts hundred years ago, we can't see it. What he wants to achieve in a hundred years time, we won't see it. But what he has done is got a community to chip away and alter deen. So we are living in this zamana that is going closer and closer to the time of Dajjal, to Qiyamat. And we have to really be aga. We have to really be on our guard. And if we want salvation, we have to hold on to our deen. We have to hold on. Every time you hear after when there is gush going to take place and they make alan. So what, what does the person say? The person who is making the alan. 
for deen to come in my life, your life, and the life of the entire ummah. A definite effort and sacrifice is required. When we talk about the deen, we're talking about the deen as Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam left it for us. Otherwise, you ask those people in Vietnam who were slaughtering, who were cutting fruit, they too thought they're practicing on deen. You ask that person who's take, who was taking his sharab bottle and going to the masjid on his way home, he too thinks he's practicing on deen. But is it the deen that Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave us? The amanat that he left for us, is it that, that deen? I want to give you one more example and conclude the hadith. In Palestine, currently now, they got that big wall there that divides certain parts from certain parts. Initially when they came and invaded the land, was the wall there? Initially when they came, it was just no, we need a place to stay. We need to give these people a place to stay. Once you gave in to that, maybe you put up a little bit of resistance, after that you gave in to it, then what, what more you got subjected to? What, what more those Muslims got subjected to? Till now it is a situation where a person says that for the last 15 years, 16 years, I haven't read one salah in Aqsa. From my home, I can see the dome. But I haven't even read one salah in the masjid. Right? In Aqsa. He's got masjid in his area. Now, every Juma. Every Juma, you find this happening there in in Palestine, that you will get a person who wants to scale that wall. Many of them break their legs, many of them end up in prison, many of them get shot, but yet they will go to scale that wall, right? And a lot of them get away too. They scale the wall and they manage to come and read Salah. And then they go back home after that. Right? I'm asking you, if you go to Palestine and you meet one brother there with a broken leg, right? and you ask him, okay, how your leg got broken? And he says to you that no man, you know these people, they put this wall here. I couldn't take it. I jumped the wall. And I fell and I broke my leg. What will be your response to him? Somebody give me a response. What will you tell him? Anyone? Tell me if you met this man, you see he's got broken leg. Right? And you ask him how you broke your leg. He said, no man, I climbed the wall. I fell down. And 
I wanted to come for Juma. Broke my leg. So what will you say to him? You say, Mashallah, right? You congratulate him. In your heart, you think, hey, if only I had Iman like this man. If only I had Iman like this man. Which one of you will tell him, but why were you so foolish? Why were you so foolish? There was a masjid there in your locality. There's ten fatwas that tell you in your, in your situation, you should have just, you, it's permissible for you to read masjid namaz there in your locality. Why you wanted to go there, climb the wall, go to Aqsa, bring a bad name to the Muslims, right? That now we're not following the law of this, of this government here. And, they, and you're going to bring heat on your people. Because when you're going to climb the wall, now they're going to put one extra razor wire there. They're going to come and find out which family you're from. They're going to come make your parents' life a misery. They're going to come make the com- your community's life a misery. Who will respond to that person like that? Will anybody here in this masjid tell that person that? But you see, when we're going through it, we can't see it. There we will praise that man. Although all the repercussions will come, whatever, but we will praise him. But when we're going through it, we don't see it. That is a deception of the devil. That is a deception of the devil. That when we start chipping away from our deen, he actually makes us think, that we're doing the right thing. He gives us excuses to think that we're doing the right thing. But we are mu'minin. We are mu'minin and we have to protect this deen. Allah has given us this deen, we have to protect this deen. It's not mine, it's not yours. It belongs to Allah Ta'ala. Huzur Paak came to teach it to us. And if we want salvation in this dunya, we want salvation in the qabr, we want salvation in the akhirat, then there's no way out. Right? In South Africa, we had it very soft. Allah Ta'ala still keep it soft. Right? We had it very soft. Everything was open for us. Now we are getting few tests where in, in order to practice our deen, now we may get some heat. Now we're just going to sit down. Are we just going to sit down and let everything go? Think, our masjids got locked. For so many months, our masjids got locked. No activity could take place. No tabliq could take place. No programs could take place. We couldn't read each salah. If our eyes don't open, and we still think, but no, this is just a temporary thing, this is just this, this is just that, it's because of this and because of that, we're living in some fool's paradise. We are going towards the zamana of Dajjal. These things are only going to escalate. And we have to hold on. We have to hold on. At any cost, we have to hold on. So Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa mentioned in the end of that riwayat that a person will come and he will be dragging himself on his buttocks. Why? Because he will have no power in that engine 
Because there's no amal. There's no amal. There'll be no strength for him. He'll be so weak that he'll be dragging himself on his buttocks to try and get across the, the bridge. Whereas that bridge is thinner than a hair, sharper than a blade. And Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned in this riwayat that there are hooks on either side of this bridge. These hooks are instructed. They are under instruction. Some people, these hooks will scrape them, will you know, injure them. And others, these hooks will actually hook them and drop them into the fire of Jahannam. And then, Ghaliban, it is Abu Huraira, it is Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, he says that, note well, the depth of Jahannam is a journey of 70 years. These are not fairy tales. These are not fairy tales. These are the words of Huzuri Pak sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wallahi, this life is serious. We got one chance. It's only this one life. We don't have a second life in the dunya. Nobody is going to come back. So the only way to live our life is hold on to the deen of Allah. Hold on to the sunnah of Huzuri Pak sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The different, different amal that we have in our life, keep it alive. The different works of deen that Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with, keep it alive. Keep it alive. This is our salvation, the salvation of our children, generations to come. Allah Ta'ala give me tawfiq. Allah Ta'ala give you tawfiq. Grant the entire ummah tawfiq. Whatever was spoken, if it is correct, it is from Allah Ta'ala. And whatever is wrong, that is from me and from shaitan. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ahli Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma lakal hamdu kulluh wa lakal shukru kulluh. Allahumma rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam taghfir lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minal khasirin. Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana. وقنا عذاب النار اللهم إنا نسألك الصحة والعفة والأمانة وحسن الخلق والرضا بالقدر اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من كل شر ما استعاذ منه نبيك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين آمين برحمتك يا رحم الرحمين